You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Hello, Kathy, and hello to our listeners. Two weeks before Christmas, pushes on. Are you yes, ready? Yes, uh, just about. I'm actually going to be taking off in a couple of days in terms of, yeah, I'm flying to England for nice. Christmas. Very so nice. So I'm really looking forward to that. I bet you're there for the whole holiday. Is that right? Yes, and I'm returning at the start of January. Oh, nice. Well, all the best. I hope you have a wonderful trip. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our show today is taped, so unfortunately no opportunity to call in. And I know Alison Schaefer is a very popular guest, but uh, we did tape the show in advance. But do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on those sites. And do continue to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. We do love to hear from you. Um, also, please subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, all your favorite podcast platforms. And as I mentioned, every week you can find all of our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. And I'm going to apologize to you in advance. I'm once again at the tail end of a cold, so I've got my nasally voice on uh, the radio today. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that, Kathy. It's... Oh. Uh, it's it's the content that, oh, that counts. Thanks, Alex. It's yeah. It's not my content either. It's as long as Allison can keep talking, I can just uh, <laughs> sort of in the background uh, be taking care of what I need to. But uh, it's more annoying right now than anything. Uh, it's all nasally. So well, thanks for being here. Without you, the show wouldn't go. Ah. So thanks very much. Oh, I love being here, Alex. You know that. Of course. But we we do push on, and uh, today actually is our last new broadcast of the 2019 year. Alex, next week uh, on Christmas Eve, which is our time slot uh, next week, we're Christmas Eve at 11 o'clock again, he'll be airing some wonderfully selected, beautiful Christmas music for you. And um, we are taking off that week, as you just heard, Alex is away. And on December 31st, Christmas, or yeah, December 31st, New Year's Eve, We'll be airing a very popular show that we did with Laura Calder that centered around her wonderful book, The Inviting Life. We thought it was very appropriate as we head into the new year, and that was a great show and got a lot of wonderful feedback on that, so we thought we'd air that uh, again for you. We've had a great year on the Health Hub. 2019 was filled with wonderful guests, great conversation, and so much information And we were so glad that you were with us and, uh, you know, we're here to support us and and, uh, be part of the show with your questions, your emails. Taking the time to email us is is a wonderful thing. You know, everyone is is very busy and uh, we do read each and every one 
and get back to you as soon as we can. But thank you so much uh, for supporting us. 2020 looks to be as bright as 2019 was. We're setting up uh, a wonderful list and lineup of guests for you. So I didn't want to rush this at the end of the show. We'll give you a quick goodbye at the end of the show with our wishes, but uh, to give it a little bit of the breadth that we need, I'd like to, on behalf of Alex, myself, and everyone here at Radio Maria Canada, we'd like to wish you the merriest of Christmases and health, love, and happiness to you in 2020. So on to our show today. I'm so pleased uh, again to have Alison Schaefer on our shows. She's so wonderfully insightful and literate. It's just a pleasure to have her. Allison is a therapist, TV personality, author, columnist, spokesperson, educator, and consultant. She is one of Canada's most notable parenting experts and serves as a resident expert on national outlets such as the Maryland Dennis Show, Huffington Post, Parents Canada, and the CBC Radio. An internationally acclaimed parenting expert, Allison empowers families by sharing her principles, rules, and tools for raising happy and healthy kids. Her style is fast, witty, warm, and encouraging. Allison delivers her deep insights in ways that today's busy parents can easily understand and apply immediately. Allison promotes a firm but friendly democratic parenting style and offers practical solutions backed by extensive research. Armed with, armed with years of research, clinical, and field experience, Allison can provide a new positive understanding of your current family dynamic with actionable solutions that will give you the hope and confidence needed to transform your family. Allison is a best-selling author of Breaking the Good Mom Myth and Honey, I Wrecked the Kids, and her latest, Ain't Misbehaving, which has been translated into Russian, Korean, Bulgarian, and Chinese. She is an international speaker, including at the inaugural TDX Kids in Brussels. Wonderful, wonderful guest that we have. And if you've listened to the other shows with her, you're going you're gonna to be just as impressed with this one. Our learning points uh, this week are striving to create a balance between consumerism and spirituality over the holidays, how we can reduce the holiday stress, and how to try and cultivate, cultivate meaningful Christmas and holiday traditions. We will be back to you in a few minutes. Starting right here, right now, I'm turning another page, and I know somehow. There's gotta be a better way I don't wanna live head down Dragging my regrets around I don't wanna miss this life Waiting on the other side To dance like fire Sing like freedom Laugh and cry and live and die And still believe in Leaning on what I think I know I held on too tight But 
but I'm learning to let it go. I don't want to reach the end, wishing I could start again. Don't want to watch the world go round. If I'm gonna make it count, gotta dance like fire, sing like freedom, laugh and cry and live and die. Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on all three. And do email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you have any questions for us, concerns, any show topics, whatever you like. We read them all and respond to them in good time. Allison, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure to chat. Excellent. I know it's a busy time of year, and I think the conversation is really going to put into perspective how we should be tackling uh, all that's thrown upon us, you know, between December and January 1st. So it, it really does matter what we focus on during the holidays when it comes to what we want from them. Is that right? Do you, you know what I'm saying? I do. I mean, it's a good lesson for all of life, but it's especially important at Christmas time. You know, that sort of life abhors a vacuum, and we end up being pulled in directions based on old habits and patterns and who's calling on our time. And we can sort of wake up and give our head a shake and realize, you know, we've just whipped through this holiday um, and are exhausted, sometimes miserable. For some people, it's actually the low point of the year. And we haven't actually, with any intentionality, consciously constructed what's important to us and what we'd like to accomplish, and then set forth to say yes to those things and no to all the other things that eat away at our time and attention that, in the end, don't really bring us happiness, don't really support our values, and, um, and we wonder why we have this sort of tired malaise at the end of it. Oh, I, I know when December 1st rolls around and I'm looking at my boxes of decorations and ornaments, it's like, ugh, 
You know, it just, they're up and it takes so long and then they're packed away and the time in between just seems to fly. But, you know, a lot of this is thrust upon and, and I'm not being, um, you know, I do take into consideration how much the the dads and the husbands do, but a lot of this is thrust upon the moms. And in these busy days when moms are working and then, of course, you know, the families are coming home and doing all their activities it's very hard to extrapolate, you know, with all the madness for mums, the pleasure that, you know, we are trying to give others at this time of year. How, yeah. how can we work around that? Well, so, so to your point about, about honoring the fact that dads are stepping up in a way more than they ever have in the past mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, domestic help and also in, in parenting. And so I don't want to discourage any dads by still going back to the fact that we still have some more work to do. But I also want to put some responsibility on on moms that, you know, we come from this background where moms, um, the, the female of, uh, and again, you know, moms and moms and dads and dads, depending on how you organize your family, um, that that the females tend to still operate based on um, the, the caring and the nurturance qualities and males in, in Homo sapiens still provide and protect a sort of our biological wiring. And so while dads do show up in parenting and, and domestic house, it still turns out that moms still kind of are the managers and dads are still sort of assigned the tasks that they have to expedite, which is different than management, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so when Christmas comes, and as you say, that's a very home-based, family-focused event more tends to fall then on the managerial roles of moms. But interestingly, here we often have people that are eager to help. And that, that help might come from kids. That help might come from our partners. That help might come from, from friends. We're really not good at delegating. We're not good at setting up those limits and boundaries and, and saying no. Um, and we somehow have tremendous guilt if we fail at meeting the expectation. And the expectations rise every year with um, you know, whatever commercials, consumerism, Instagrams, Pinterest, whatever, all these things that say what an idyllic uh, Christmas home life should be. And that tends to fall more into into the domain of, of moms. And um, we need to watch for it and protect ourselves from it, counter it in a way. Well, yeah, because the holiday season then just turns into a man, I can't wait till this is over, sort of a, an ideal, you know, the ideal well, situation we, we for moms. In, yeah, and then we sit in January with all the bills, yeah, <laughs> and say, "Oh my gosh, you know that I, it's going to take me eleven months to pay off my Visa card. What have I done? Exactly, and, and I have to go back to work, and I now I've got strep throat because I didn't <laughs> relax at all over the holidays." <laughs> exactly. Not talk about the health part of it too. The immune system is all shown out, thrown out the window. It's it really does. Uh, it has an impact, but I, I still find that um, even if we are good delegators. I shouldn't say we find, I find and talking from a personal point of view. So my children are older and I'm at the point where I'm like, well, you know what needs to be done and you, you know what I do. So why aren't you helping? So it almost is, you know, when they're younger, then maybe you say you can delegate to the children. But as the children get older, where does the responsibility flip where they can start picking up, you know, the pieces of what mom is doing and start helping out? I find that a hard transition that I've gone through. Well, we have to do it in small, gradual steps. 
Um, and I think we have to adjust our, our expectations for how enthusiastically they're, they're supposed to step up and volunteer. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that there are ways, there are ways to, um, to hold them accountable. Um, and so it might be, it might be small, like decorating the Christmas tree. Let's just take that as an example. Um, and for the, those people celebrating Hanukkah or, and other faiths, however you go about beginning those festivities, but I'll use the example of the tree. Um, you know, if you're, if you're saying, Hey, you know, um, we're going to put up the Christmas trees goes back to our opening point about what's important and what's, what are our values. If the important part is we want to uh, 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 have a family bonding time, we want to have an activity together, uh, that this is about closeness um, and tradition, then if the kids put all the ornaments on wonky and, the, you know, the big balls at the top and, <laughs> and everything's sort of sideways because they haven't learned about the geometrical placing of, of balls in their small hands, if we put the value of having a good time and involvement and, com- and community family together first, then we let go of the minutia of it not looking great or not being straight. But if it's like we have to get the tree absolutely perfect because I'm having the neighbors over for cookies and whatever on the weekend and it's got to look just so, so it looks like it's out of a magazine, then suddenly it becomes an act of frustration and we we get upset and the kids don't want to participate because we're criticizing where they put the balls and you know um and so so we got to put those values first and we have to know that when we delegate we're not always going to get things the way we want to the standard that we want them and we have to be okay with that um and so we can also say well if nobody's really interested in helping with the tree maybe we don't want a tree this year oh wait a minute hold Mm. on a second no exactly (laughs) um yeah, um, you know, I'm quite happy to have people seem to want to decorate cookies, but they don't want to help me cook or clean up after. So we might just say, you know, we don't have to do cookies, but part of doing cookies is that I need helpers, you know, before, during and after. So who's who's up for that task? So I think there are ways that we can be creative in, in, um, in managing the situation. But to sit back and say, nobody offered to help cookies. You, you Nobody sees my my lot in life, you know, this family isn't caring and supportive. I think that's inaccurate to the developmental mm-hmm. <laughs> stage of, of where kids are. Don't take that personally. It's just an opportunity to say, I have to use some parenting tactics. Well, I don't think that there's anything more um, enlightening than the aging process when it comes to stuff like this. And, you know, I, 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 though my mom rings in my ear, wait till you have kids, wait till you. But I tell you, for me personally, employing some of the tactics that you mentioned has worked great. We have, you know, like most young moms, they take their children for pictures with Santa or do things like that. And we have done this in our family every year. And my oldest one is 30, almost 30. And we just got our last Christmas photo with Santa done last week. And it's always a hoot that, you know, the, the four, now five, because my daughter-in-law has joined in, you know, line up and they they take this picture with Santa. But there was a period of time where they were, um, I had to fight with them to do this. And it was like, you're going to want this, you know, looking back you're going to want to see the, the progression and this is going to be fun and with the grandchildren. And then there was one year I was like, well, I don't want to. And I said, you know what? Let's just stop. Let's just not do it. It's not worth the aggravation. And, and I'm just miserable. Well, didn't they all come together? Well, okay, well, maybe we'll do it. And, and that, that is a, a brilliant piece of parenting that you just said. 
You know, leave it up to them to continue on some of the... Because really, as young parents, we are trying to establish the traditions. Maybe the kids don't want them. Oh, gosh. So to your point about aging, my kids as well are older now, um, 24 and 25. And I have a Christmas that's non-traditional with another family. I have a fairly traditional Christmas as well, but I have someone who's called my chosen sister. So for, for those people who came from maybe more toxic childhood fa- uh, families of origin, and Christmas may be a very downtime for them because it brings up um, a lot of the traumas of their childhood. Um, I have a friend that uh, that had a tough tough childhood, and so we have created a chosen family with her. So I call her my chosen sister, and her kids have grown up with my kids as cousins. And we do a Christmas at the beginning of the year that was always uh, started with getting a Christmas tree and then, um, you know, having this big buffet and opening presents together and, and whatnot. And it started, you know, in early December, it started when our kids were, were born in little toddlers and it's gone on every year. But since then, you know, we've moved to different cities. We've both been divorced, but we still get together with this family for you know, camping and different celebrations that are family oriented celebrations throughout the year. So this year, as we're trying to organize it, we said, you know what? With, with, you know, some of them are doing exams and other of them have work schedules and we're trying to find a date and we couldn't, couldn't go back to the old Christmas tree farm. We said, why don't we shake it up? Why don't we do something new? What, what's the important part of this? What, what part do we really like? Mm-hmm. And we put it out to the whole group with the kids and everyone. And we, they said, you know, it's not really the tree that's the important part. It's the getting together and like the board games after. And, and this, they really liked the part they didn't want to lose was the little having a buffet snack dinner. And so we said, well, what if we did that in Toronto? We went to the distillery district and walked around and said, went out for lunch and, and still did the presents, still did the dinner buffet. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So it morphed, it changed, they're older, you know, they wanted to go have the mulled cider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the, it was okay that the tradition changed because the important parts decided by the group, we kept. And so um, so parents have to kind of let go of, of some of the, or morph the traditions, and, and it'll still feel significant to you if you hold on to the core values, which again goes back to what we opened the show, which is, you know, stop and take pause and say, what part is elemental to, to what's important to you? What, what, where's your value set? And how do you make that uh, speak its truth? Absolutely. I mean, if, if that, if one piece of, of information or knowledge that I could pass on to my kids is, which is different, you know, which I've learned, um, is to be more chill, you, you know, mm. uh, to try and do everything the same every year. I mean, it, it, it can be difficult again when they're younger, you know, you're running their lives. It's fine. And, and the magic of Christmas is wonderful, but as they're older, you do have to take into account that you want to have the kids there because they want to be there. Um, and I think it's an important piece. Kathy, what you're saying speaks so much to the parenting that I teach, which is the difference between forced compliance and winning cooperation. It's like you can force a kid to say, I'm sorry, and they're going to say, I'm sorry, (laughs) but it's not genuine. So you made them do the task, but you didn't get what you really wanted, which was that true compassion. And the same thing, you can like force your kids to take Santa Claus picture. um, But that's not different than saying, you know what, I like this tradition, I want to give you my cooperation, I want to participate in this, which is that intrinsic motivation. And so when we step back and, and, and win their cooperation, say, I want to inspire you to want to come home. I want to inspire you to feel mm-hmm. excited about this, this photo. I want you to see how important family is to me and how, how sweet I think this tradition is uh, and that I would hope that you would share that. that. That is much more likely 
to get kids to to move over to those values that you're trying to to whatever market sell espouse live by honor then forcing it down their throat and enforce in fact when we force things down especially values when we force them down our throats that's usually when our kids will take the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, great if you push, push, push that you need to be healthy and you got to have your avocado shake and you got to eat your chaya seeds and da-da-da, whatever, you're more likely to get the kid who bec- who rebels against you and ends up being the fast food, you know, food junkie. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. you know, we want we want to we want to live our values. We want to show the glory of our values, but we can't get forceful with them or it's it can bite us in the butt in the long run. And they do take this hiatus until adulthood and then they do circle back because then they get to say I didn't just take my parents' values because I'm a patsy. I kicked them to the curb. I tested them out. I tested the limits and then I decided, yeah, you know what? That's my value too. So, expect a little testing. That that piece that you just said um, in my parenting history, is the hardest piece to handle. Uh, I really because it's the long road. It is, and the foresight that you're giving parents right now. I mean, if parents, younger parents, can know what's coming down the road and be a little bit more prepared than uh, you know my personality was, I think they'll be able to handle that much better because it was really, it was really a difficult period for me because it was you know. I had raised the kids a certain way. Like, for instance, I go to church every Sunday. And um, there came a point where my daughter started sleeping over at someone's house every Saturday so she could miss church on Sunday. And then we'd get into this argument and, you know, we've got to get it. And then one day it was just, you know what? This is what we do. You do what you want to do. And that, to me, lifted the burden on my shoulders so much. It was unbelievable. Oh, well, so that speaks to modeling. And when you have a healthy relationship with your kids because you're not fighting about all this stuff and you live your life with right purpose, do not underestimate the impact that has. And like I said, you might not find out until your kids are in their 20s and suddenly your kid's saying, can I come to church with you? Or I, I joined a church in my community that those little messages actually mattered and got in. But you got to take the long view and I have the benefit of just having worked with so many families and because of my line of study, this I can say unresoundingly as, as being the truth. But if you're a parent and it's your one or two kids and you've never done this before, it just looks like they're drifting. It just looks like failure. Um, and so to say, hey, hang in there, hang in there, see, see what they do later in life, which is why I'm sort of excited uh, about being a grandmother. I, I, really, I, want, I, I want to see how my kid, what my what my kids took away from how our family operated when they start to create their own. I'm really excited about seeing that, uh, that phase. A hundred percent. Not I that think, I want to rush it. No, exactly. I mean, all in its due time. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think that that for, for, for I think moms, I think dads handle this a little bit better, at least from what I've seen, but it just seems that it's one day they're your children. And then one day they are people. And they have their own values and their own ideas and their own roads that they'd like to go down. And that is, it was such a sudden thing for me that I think that's where it was like, I kind of lost my identity and I was getting angry at the kids for it. So I think... Beautifully said, Kathy, that idea that, you know, our kids are not lumps of clay that we form into the identity that we want that, you know, they come to us as the seeds of life and, you know, did we get a rose? Did we get a tulip? Did we get, you know, we don't know. 
we but we want to be the fertilizer that helps it grow and self-actualize into whatever it's going to be and um, and to step back from that process and not feel like it's on us or we're failing or it was our job to um should be freeing and and should hopefully open us up to be more loving of watching them find themselves because again just step back into your adolescence like you know it's very easy to look at me as an adult and say oh what a responsible woman who's got this career and and it's like yeah and you know what when I was in high school I was a punk rocker and and, you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) just because your kid's doing the golf thing now or or whatever they're in think back on your other friends think back on people who that's like that's welcome to adolescence that's finding yourself it's experimenting with personas it's trying different value sets different friend groups doesn't mean they're done deciding mm-hmm. you know it but it's uh it, it can be very scary for parents because they think they've gone down the wrong path and they'll never return you know and it's uh it's not true if you follow it enough you know Oh, Allison, I sure hope that you have a pre-parenting uh program that you offer because to know all this stuff before the first child and to know, you know, to have an idea what may be coming down the road, it, it's extremely beneficial. I think we're going to take a quick break here. I'm, I'm getting the, the way from Alice. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Allison Schaefer. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one I believe I overcome By the power of His blood Amen
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation here, as always, with Allison Schaefer. Allison, getting back to Christmas and traditions and, you know, into the real, we can talk about the stresses and, you know, the mom issues and the children issues, but the crux of the matter is, I shouldn't say the crux of the matter is, is but how we want to divide our time. Do we want to go down the commercial route and make sure all the presents are wrapped perfectly and the dinner is great? Or do we want to take on a more spiritual, and spiritual meaning whatever is spiritual to you, a spiritual aspect over the holidays? We talked about the decorating of the tree and the sloppy tree versus the, the, you know, the tree that's done up to the shopping mall standard. How else can we really try and work on where our values lie? How can we do that? Mm. Well, again, the, the being, being aware in the moment that we're, that we're living our values and expressing that in our, our daily life. Um, So, it may be for many people that this is the only time that they go to their house of worship. Um, and um, I hope for some people that they rekindle their, you know, their love of community there. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer that it really doesn't matter so much which spiritual path you follow. So long as you're on one in terms of raising kids, um, uh, many families, stop attending church because they might have had a marriage where there was conflicting religious beliefs and so they abandoned both and then the kids get no spiritual training, which I think is really heartbreaking. So at least to have exposure to the concept that, you know, this time of year, regardless of pretty much every faith has something that has some talking about um, the beginning of darkness, with spring as renewal, um, the the remembrance um, of uh, importance of family and values. There are themes that run through through all those religions. And if, so if you just decide, for, like, for example, one thing we do every year is we have um, Christmas storybooks that my kids had when they were little. And even though they're much older, those storybooks still get put under the tree. And so we read through those storybooks. And I think story is a wonderful way to weave um, you know, themes of, of kindness and generosity and, and family and community um, into discussions with our kids at, at any age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would just suggest is if you've put it aside or if you've just kind of dropped some of that spiritual discussion, uh, if it's become that all traditions have been around consumerism mm-hmm. <laughs> and food, um, well, that's the breaking of bread is courted to the human experience too. But maybe ask yourself, have I let it go a little too far? Do, do I need to remember to put a little bit more, you know, energy into that? Is, is, has that been lacking? And is this an opportunity to spark that up a little bit more in, in your family? And I think making room for it is a key there because the consumerism side is just so overwhelming. And, and the, the um, you know, when you have children and you have nieces and nephews to buy for, it can be, you know, the, the experience isn't fun anymore. And we've gone from meaningful gifts to handing out money and gift cards. And, and that, that sort of has shifted the joy to me of gift giving. I do try every year to buy gifts for everybody that are, you know, we try to pare down. We have big families. 
but you know, each year it's, can you buy for this one? Or can you buy for your child? And, and it, how do we, how do we pull back from that? Because it's not just our own doing, you know, this, this consumerism it's, it's put upon us by everybody. And when yeah. we have to buy into it, even with our family and, and this isn't done, you know, pointedly, I'm sure. But when you have nieces and nephews and you've got your own kids and you've got aunts who want to buy and, and all of a sudden it's, you know, I have four kids and now I'm buying 16 gifts because I have to buy for this aunt and the other. How do we pull back? Because I think that's what's taking away from some of that spirituality and family meaning time. Well, I just want parents to feel more empowered to do differently and, and make a micro step if you have to. So, um, so for example, maybe you dis- you're the only one who shows up, but you've decided to wrap your gifts in tea towels because tea towels can be reused and we're not just cutting down a tree and hurting the environment for the name of the sake that we used to always traditionally wrap in, in paper. Or um, maybe you decide that this year you're only going to make handmade gifts. And yeah, you know, the kid that was expecting the, uh, switch controller who you know ends up <laughs> with the homemade scarf or something might moan in the moment and chuck your gift aside with with lack of gratitude but every year they say remember my wacky aunt she used to always make her own gifts and remember she used to wrap everything in tea towels wasn't she wasn't she wacky but she, yeah but she was sort of like that you know environmental um spiritual aunt like you're you're interesting to them you're 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 walking the the walking the walk so it doesn't have to necessarily be whole hog. Um, you know, with my kids, for example, when, on my Christmas list, I would always say, I'd like you to pick a charity and make a donation in my name, which meant that they had to go research different causes. And in the doing the research, my kids were like, oh, man, do you know that there's like people that are like living in these transitory housings in the middle of the desert? desert? No kids are getting food. And so we picked that one for you, mommy. But it meant that, you know, they had to they knew that the fact that I was asking for that to be done in my name um, meant that it was important to me. And then they learned something uh, secondarily as they were doing their research. And the same, I would always give something to them that was something kind of kind of kid kid curious. Um, you know, so they have, for example, where you can like give a, you know, a goat or chickens to a family, or, um, we did one where they track the, it's an environmental thing where it tracks these sea turtles. And so they could go online and log this GPS location of the migration of these sea turtles that, that uh, was helping the environment, which, which was fun. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was keeping them engaged in it. So it became something that was just every year. That's an expectation. That's what you do. And my kids are still very charitable and they don't make that much money. They're new grads, but they get that that's just been, that's how you do life. And so it can just be those smaller pieces where, you know, we say, um, shaking it up this year, we're going to use whatever, um, paper plates instead of washing dishes. Cause I want to spend more ta- time in the table instead of cleaning. Cause I'd rather be with you than, um, you know, away, away from you doing mm-hmm. housekeeping, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't have to be everything, the whole thing. Um, but you might find that everyone in your family is feeling the same malaise and they're just waiting for one whistleblower to say, you know what, how would you guys feel if we didn't buy for everybody and we just did Secret Santa? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and people would say, oh, thank you. Thank you. Somebody had to call it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're right. It's, it, you can't be afraid to make some changes. I think sometimes we feel uh, a little guilty about doing things like that, but um, you're right. I think putting it to the family and, you know, even taking a vote is a good way to do it. Now, when it comes to family, 
Christmas can be an overwhelmingly joyous time. But then there are times when it can be an overly joyous, overwhelming to over. It can't. You know what I'm saying, Allison, right? There can be stresses when you're dealing with your family over Christmas. Well, yeah, because for a lot of us, um, well, so, so if we just take the psychological concept that a lot of our unhappiness and suffering comes from the gap between expectation and reality. And Christmas tends to have a higher expectation. You know, we, we have the Norman Rockwell version of what it should be. And therefore, anything that's missing from that really becomes a pain point. So if we are supposed to be close with our sisters or a family of origin, but in fact, our mother's always been critical and our dad always gets drunk at Christmas and we never, we feel competitive with our brother because he's always talking about his law firm. And then we go home for Christmas and we're supposed to look like a Norman Rockwell painting, but all it is is stirring up all these childhood origin old dynamics and we just feel that much worse for it it can be really really a painful time of year this is actually a high rate of of depression at christmas and in fact my church holds what's called a blue christmas service um to to help address those people that are particularly reminded of their wounds that are opened again at this time of year and so yeah so so we have to be very realistic about that so to that end Rather than the do, 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 try harder, try harder to try to make everything look like expectation, it's, and it's part of what mindfulness meditation and going back to our, some of our spiritual roots, which is how about look around at our actual reality and decide that, well, we, we not, might not be able to change it. We can always change our attitude about it. And I think if we can take a more lighthearted approach, like if you think maybe we were always jealous of our sister, but we'd just be, we'd be in such pain if she was killed in a car accident on the way to family Christmas, you know, she's, She's, she's our pain in the butt. You know, we love our pain in the butt. So if we can go into Christmas in anticipation saying, oh, here's what's going to happen. Mom's going to criticize me because my mashed potatoes are lumpy and dad's going to be bombed by seven o'clock and my sister's going to tell me how great her kids are and how they hit all the milestones. And, and, and we can kind of anticipate it like it's a documentary and say, well, you know, who would I cast as my role as my sister, you know, (laughs) Um, and and be more playful with it and say, you know, thank goodness for the sloppy mess of a family I have. I I think we, we have to work on embracing what we have rather than fighting reality and getting upset with it and getting pulled into the drama of it. Um, And, and, and that's, that's a life skill, (laughs) but I've certainly learned a lot about how to change my reactivity um, based on my years as uh, a meditator and uh, and other people learn those, some of those skills in, in therapy. But uh, but we can be more lighthearted about having, you know, a not perfect family and having a wonky Christmas with them. <laughs> but everybody's family is perfect on social media, Allison. <laughs> We're always falling uh, you know, short in our own minds. In our, well, that's the thing is, you know, we have to know it's a curated version of people mm-hmm. and, uh, and the sloppy stuff is, is often not put up there. And, uh, and even if we just look at our own profile, how many times have somebody, Hey, you know, I get this all the time. Hey, I'm following you on social media. It looks like you're doing amazing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, of course, that's what I'm broadcasting. That has nothing to do. I'm not, I'm not putting up there, you know, that I had to go to a friend's funeral and, you know, whatever else was going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it is an artificial, it's an artificial marketing front and we have to be able to, to uh, be aware of that. Mm-hmm. And it's also why I use social media in a, in a very, to, to, to the earlier point, in a very conscious way. And, and if it's, um, if it's deteriorating my mood and it's not be- helping my well-being, 
then I get off and I don't post anything unless I think it's something that's additive. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't post that I got up and which socks should I put on today? Like some people just get on a natter. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. You know, what's the value add? And I stay away from things that bring my mood down or, um, you know, whatever I, I, I'm conscious of my mood state and I stop. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Social media can be a wonderful supporting place and then it can also break you down pretty darn quickly. Um, yeah, but you're in charge of it. And that's the point is that we just, again, that empowerment piece, we decide where will our time go? Where will our attention go? Is it lockstep with our values? If it's not, do something different. It really is the crux of it, isn't it? Being in lockstep with our values and, and helping to, and, you know, and working through all the minutiae to really find out what our values are, that can be a very challenging thing to do. It really, especially around Christmas time. Yeah, well, and again, I think that's why faith community can be grounding for people, um, because it calls us to be in alignment. It reminds us. It's that reminder when otherwise other parts of life will distract us. And so, you know, for those people that can go once a year and get a value reset, great, but I need to do that more frequently. Continuously. (laughs) You know. Exactly. Continuously. For me, it's continuously because it does. Like I said, life abhors a vacuum and, and we get busy with with cultural norms that aren't necessarily in alignment with what we think is right or good. Well, I mean, mindfulness is at the center of that. So we're not reacting to situations. We're stepping back and evaluating things because it's in evaluating that we find our values, I think. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, a key piece is that meditation, is that mindfulness part of things. And seeing more than one option. And I I hope that's what parents are taking away, that you don't have to be like a gerbil on a wheel doing what you did last Christmas. Find one point of differentiation that you could do differently this year and see it to fruition. And you'll be, you'll say, huh, you know what? Life went on. That felt better. And that didn't kill Christmas. My family didn't reject me because I made the choice to do the secret Santa. Like, just do a little experiment and find for yourself that actually it generally turns out better. Well, that, that could be the beauty of having grandchildren, too, and kids that have moved out, is that they, they're going to bring different pieces to the, to the party as well. And that can, be, that can be quite fun. It can be, you know, changing things up, and that can be a great piece of your family growing up and, and moving out. And if we, that's, there's the attitude piece again. If we can see it as growth, if we can t- approach it with curiosity, uh, with radical acceptance, um, that mindset will do wonders. But when we have a restricted mindset and when we have a closed, narrow point of view, we're far more likely to find ourselves um, railing against at war within, war with others. Uh, and it doesn't bring us the happiness that we're looking you're for. You're right, you're right. But it's our habit. It's our habit of thinking often for people. I want to get to a question that is a little bit uh, hard right here, but still within the area of Christmas. And uh, this is a setup for younger moms and dads. What happens when you've got, you know, one, two, three kids? One, not necessarily so much, but, you know, a number of children. And you've brought them up with the notion that Santa comes every year and the whole notion of Santa. And then the older child said, well, there is no Santa. I know it. We all know it. But we all don't know it. The younger kids are still believers. And that's part of the magic of Christmas. How do you deal with that scenario? Yeah, my kids know my party line is still that I believe in Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still believe in the miracle of Christmas. I still believe in the wonderment of it all. Uh, you know, I moved from the concrete to the metaphoric, but I didn't have to tell them when that happened. And I don't have to tell them 
you know, when they're going to move from the concrete to the, to the metaphoric either. Um, but, you know, they're, if they're intelligent enough to question it, they can be intelligent enough to know when I look with a big smile and a twinkle in my eye. I still believe. I still believe. And that's all I ever did with my kids. <laughs> and then they got smarter and wiser, but I never changed my party line. And, um, you know, just, you know, my, my smiling of owning my version of it, it was good enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, younger kids who were believing in the concrete version would see my happy smile and hear my yes. I'm still in. I still believe. (laughs) I agree. There is a magic at Christmas time with Santa, the the notion of Santa and, you know, the giving. I I love it. And when uh, my kids were younger, um, we would take a, I can't remember, I think I used like a black eyeliner and I put a mark on their cheek. So Santa came down the chimney and touched their cheek. And then I stopped one year because they were older, you know. They were all in their either very late teens or 20s. And one year, I actually just forgot to do it. And literally, all of them woke up and said, well, Santa didn't touch our cheek. And I was like, oh, okay. Santa will do that next year, I'm sure. And still the notion of the, the cookie tray. This year. Sorry? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a very clean chimney this year. He was here. He just had clean hands this year. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's, it was really funny. I was quite surprised that uh, they even cared. And this goes back to the traditions. It really does. Right. And be mindful which traditions. You know, I had a whole slew of traditions when they were younger. And uh, the, the worst, not the worst one, but the one that I regret is, you know, I still regret it because I still use the same stockings, is I got these huge stockings for the kids. And I just thought they were... Ha, ha, ha. Uh, I'm laughing over here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, 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 every year I look at these things and I think... They're either just going to look like, uh, you know, wilted nothingness or I've got to fill them with something and that, you know, be careful what you do. So when you're starting out on these traditions and you want to make, you know, Christmas time magical, be mindful 10 years down the road. There's there's my piece of advice. (laughs) Holy smokes. Very, very good advice. But also your advice about checking with the kids. Um, And some kids are very traditional. And they, especially our eldest, they tend to to really want exactly the same thing. They like yes. they like rules. They like they like to know. They don't want to be sideswiped. They want more predictability. Um, and so they don't even want you know. Even if your couch is chewed apart, they still don't want you to get rid of the couch. You're so because right. It's their couch, and they always had it. And don't you change the couch? Um, but so, it, but if we check in with our kids, it, and it can be hard to get consensus, but it's very interesting when we listen to to their point of view like when i um was divorced and that first christmas that we were having christmas apart my kids i said you know what how can we make this a more comfortable christmas it's going to be a sad time of year and my kids wanted all new ornaments for the tree oh. and i would never i never would have guessed i would have thought it would have been the opposite i would have thought at least keep that piece the same and i went all right let's go out and get all new ornaments um so who knew? Who knew that that was going to be the thing that was that resonated with them? But if we're not curious and we don't ask the question, now of course it would have been interesting what we would have done if one person said it's absolutely the most important thing to me that the ornaments stay the same, and the other one was absolutely the most important thing to me that they're different. I say, well, there we go. Now we're 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 stuck with how do we live together and make everybody happy? And there's the to the point of values, I'm actually now less interested in the ornaments altogether. I'm more interested in how do I make my family feel that everybody is heard and everybody has a place and everybody's point of view is important and have a belief that every problem can be solved if we work at it long enough, you know? Um, 
Yeah, yeah, but 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 ask your kids and to your point, big stockings. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. Big mistake. Stuff big them with mistake. paper and magazines and oranges. I did. I sometimes <laughs> I would do that. It was just you know every year I looked at that. What did, what was I thinking? But I mean, <laughs> it's a fun thing. It does turn into you know, and as long as you're putting in a mindful effort, and I think. Th- what you're saying is so valid that we continually need to check in. Things do change, but other things don't. And I think the importance, you know, to sum it all up is check in, always be checking in with yourself, with your family to understand the meaning that you want to cultivate at Christmas. It's not an external meaning that you have to take on. You have to cultivate this within your own family. And I think it's a very important message that you're saying because everybody's everybody's meaning is different and it's not our obligation to share to have to share the consumerism of the world we need to cultivate what's important for us and i think christmas radiates throughout the whole year when we do that i think it's a wonderful thing that you say well and you know to sit down as a family and have a little family meeting and say hey you know what we got the next two weeks together you know what needs to happen for all of us to feel like at the end of it when it's back to school and back to work that we had a really wonderful time together and to listen to what people say. And it may be that mom says, listen, I, I feel I'm always so busy this time of year. Here's my list of all the things I have to do. Is there anyone who'd be willing to help me out with some of these things so that I could have some downtime to read? And somebody else might say, I'm happy to pick that up, but I really want you to go tobogganing with me. If I, if I helped with the cookies and the cleaning, could, could we find some tobogganing time? Or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and to start with it is, <clears throat> again, not being just mums to manage, but the, groups to, the group to, to con- create I just think that's a powerful shift in how the family operates. 100%, Allison. I wanted to thank you so much again for joining us. It's always wonderful to have you on the show. Such enlightening, funny ways to to talk about things. So thank you and uh, happy holidays to you, Allison. Oh, thank you. Can I just put in one more resource for your folks? Oh, 100%, yes. Oh, so so speaking of the teen years and everything else, I've been working tirelessly for the last few years to help parents reduce drinking and driving and underage drinking, which really peaks at the holidays. And uh, I've got all kinds of resources on a YouTube channel called Hashtag Family Talk. So if your kids are at that age and stage and that's one of your concerns for New Year's and the holidays, please check out the support and resources there. Oh, thank you very much for that. I will be putting, when we put the podcast up, I will put that hashtag on there. Thank you for sharing that with us. And everybody, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. You know, love to have you. We'll have you back in 2020 and carry on the wonderful tradition of Alison Schaefer with us. Oh, what, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> and, and have a wonderful holiday yourself, Kathy, you and your family. Thank you very much. And everybody, as we close off uh, the 2019 year, I would like to end with this small note to you. May you be blessed with the spirit of the season, which is peace the gladness of the season, which is hope, and the heart of the season, which is love. Merry Christmas to you and your family and the happiest of New Year's, and we will talk to you next year on The Health Hub.
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.